Brewers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily, fresh off the Flyers Carnival, the return of the Flyers Carnival after a three-year absence and a bunch of wins as well. And joining us to talk about all of it and more from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com and our Monday Insider. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, um, it was a fun weekend of hockey, both between the, the Flyers, the Phantoms, the uh, NCAA, uh, you know, condolences to Penn State, but that was a great game against Michigan. So uh, Flyers Carnival um, yesterday and uh, all good, all good stuff. Yeah. It's, it, you know, Tort said it last week and, you know, we've talked about this before. You try and figure out a good time to have a carnival like this. And if you're pushing towards the playoffs this late, maybe tough because you want to give the guys a day off and yeah. it's not the case this year. And there hasn't been many streaks this year, Bill, where they really performed well. They've now won four of their last five and they've, points in five straight games what is going on here well uh you know i I think it comes down to really two things one has been the goaltending in most games um the goaltending has been outstanding and the other part too is that you know flyers are giving them some goal support lately they've scored a lot of goals on this this home staff and that's really been it the young players are stepping up yeah, that, that has been the case, Bill. I mean, the amount of scoring that they're getting right now almost defies the logic of the 15 games that, you know, led into it. The prior 15, they averaged 1.8 goals per game, and they were yeah. giving up about 3.59, if my memory serves correct. But over this stretch, I mean, they're putting in goals. I think the best part about this, Bill, and we've talked about it, is that it's being led by – the young guys, the 24 and under. Now, Travis Sanheim's north of that, and his, his game is certainly rounded a lot better into form. But you're seeing the Tippets, the Frost, the Cates, uh, all the young players, Cam York, he's ended up on the score sheet here and there as well as a, on that blue line. But really the play and comebacks in games and the resiliency has been up and down the roster, but really being led on the score sheet by the young group. Yeah, that, that's been been really, really nice to see. Uh, obviously, Tyson Forster as well. He's back with the Phantoms now. Um, and and solely, and solely for the, the, the experience down the stretch in the playoffs. Obviously, it's not performance-based. He's, he's been excellent for the NHL club. Um, but it's been it's been nice seeing different lines contribute, to see goals from the blue line with uh, some regularity, not just, not just goals, but uh, – you know, making plays, getting up the ice, get, getting involved. Obviously, Sandheim's kind of led the way with that lately. Um, the Flyers had that stretch back in it's mid-December to mid-January for about 12 games, 12, 13, 14 games in there, where they were scoring at a similar pace to where they to where they are now uh, over the current stretch. But but even then, you know, a lot of the games, guys like JVR would step up. But certainly, Konechny had that stretch of of 20 points in 10 games. And Flyers have had to do this whole thing without connecting. Um, you know, I, one thing that, that uh, as the, you're getting down to, well, now, now nine games left, I guess, right? Um, or 10, 10 games, 10 games left. And, and uh, of which I think, uh, of which I think six will be on the road, four at home, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that, that'll be another test. But I mean, you know, in terms of in, in terms of draft lottery odds, you're basically talking about a at maximum two percent difference one way or the other. So yeah, you know, 
the difference between is the difference between six point five percent and eight point five percent at maximum. You know, you you weigh that you weigh that against having those young players step up, and, and you're looking like you know maybe you have some supporting cast to build around on top of whatever lottery luck you might get this year. I, I don't know. I I would take that one or two percent difference. I would. I would. I I would as well. And it it would be different. I think I would feel differently, Bill, if it was Kevin Hayes leading the way and you know uh, Nick Laurier and the veteran group. But that's not been the case. You know, in the beginning of the season, we you and I talked about this a couple of times, and we kind of said, well, when is going to be that point in the year, and what is the point going to be? where we go, okay, we feel a lot better now. And we start to get not that feeling, like not the new girlfriend feeling in the belly, but you know what I mean? Where you kind of go, okay, I think we're, think we're pointed in the right direction. And there's some legitimate things to be excited about. Now we can be excited about Maith and the lottery when that gets a little bit closer, but seeing how guys are coming from Lehigh, whether they're players like Cam York, who played some time in the NHL, but started this year in Lehigh, or whether that's, uh, Elliot Denoye, when he came up, or most recently, obviously, Tyson Forster and Igor Zamula, because I can't recall a player that came up from Lehigh since Hayden Hodgson at the very beginning of the year that didn't come back better than he left. And one of the issues that we've talked about quite a bit has been development, development through a pandemic. But the development that's happening now seems like it's moving in a much more positive direction. For sure. And you can point to a couple of things. Uh, we'll go you know, first, first from the AHL level. You know the the Phantoms, uh, who today had a really big comeback shootout win against Hershey. Yeah, they so did. They, they won both games this weekend. They're they're sitting pretty now. It, it, it's funny. You know, it's funny how fast things change. The Phantoms won five in a row and they they look great. Um, they they lost three in a row, all in regulation, and all of a sudden you're getting a little bit worried. The the gap narrows and. Uh, you know, you're hoping, okay, hope the fans come through this weekend um, because it could, could have got really mighty tight, you know, in terms of slipping to six or, or seventh, which is under the playoff cutoff. And they, they stepped up this weekend. Sam Erson was really good in both games, but but especially in Sunday's game in Hershey. Um, Erson is representative of a lot of what's gone on with the Phantoms this year. You know, it's it's not the Cal O'Reilly's leading the team, and it, it's not um, – it's not Kevin Connaughton who, at the the AHL level, has been a power play guy for you know a lot of a lot of that level of his career. It, it's been the young guys. The young guys have been the ones who have been driving a lot of this for the team, stepping into bigger roles, playing in all situations. And you know, as you mentioned, when they've gotten time with the NHL club, looking like looking like uh, you know they fit in, like they're not overwhelmed. Yeah, um, I, I look at Zamul in particular, Bill, because when yeah. he was sent down. I thought we were going to see him a lot this year, but he was clearly overwhelmed and yeah. wasn't playing mentally to the right speed. But he came back up. He looked cool as a cucumber. <laughs> you know, that that speaks to a lot of being put in a lot of situations down there. And, and when I talk to him, too, not afraid to make mistakes, but learn from them when you make them. For, not for sure. And uh, that, that that's part of it, too. That's part of building a player's confidence. You know, players are going to make mistakes. You you. That that's part of, that tells a coach something too, and an organization something too. How does the player respond to it? Does, yeah. does it snowball, and the player, you know, the player struggles for X number of games or weeks after that, 
or does he pick himself back up and, and just keep going forward? And they've done that for the most part this year. Um, this, this game against Hershey, I mean, the Phantoms, Phantoms had a multi-goal comeback and, and, and they were killing penalties all day. And the goalie was the biggest piece of it. But, but again, you, you know, you had players step up in, in, in the shootout. You have uh, Bobby Brink, you know, scores, scores the shootout winner. Um, we're not the winner, but at least the, the one that clinched it. Um, and, and just, just right on down the line. Um, you have uh, Emil Andrea, who points in the first two AHL games after joining. I mean, all, all good stuff you want to see. And, you know, in the NHL club, you know, it's, it, yes, obviously, they, obviously Torts wants to win and, and, and coaches the idea of winning, but he's also doing a lot of experimentation too. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like on the penalty kill, he, uh, he's using different personnel and a lot of times the younger guys. Uh, defending a lead late in games, the last couple games, he's had a lot of young guys out. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he hasn't been using guys like Hayes to try to, to close the game out. Or Lawton. He, he's yeah. Been, yeah. Or, or, or even Lawton. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's, he's been using Frost. Forster, Forster scored the empty net goal on Saturday. I asked him so about that, that in particular. Yeah. I asked or I said, this was before the game, the last game that they won. And I said to him, I said, you know, you had Forster out there with about three minutes left. They got the goalie pulled there within two. It's two nothing. I said, so it was before that game. So it was the game prior. I said, it was five, two at the time or four, two at the time. And I said, did you have him out there to see how he'd react in the situation or was that earned? And he said, both. (laughs) He earned the chance to be out there because of the things he's doing without the puck and defending with structure blocking shots and getting stick. He said he's really happy with how he gets the stick in there as well. He said, but, and I want to see how he reacts in the situation. And you can tell that Torts is doing everything he can to hold himself back from getting a little giddy about Tyson Forster. No, for, for sure. And, and and for good reason. Um, he does a lot of things he can't teach. You yeah. can't teach that shot he has. No, you can't. You, you can't teach hockey sense. Yep. Um, so particularly, you know, particularly the, the offensive anticipation he has. You and I discussed this, I mean, a week ago mm-hmm. when Forfeit scored his first goal. And he's, he's on a give-and-go. Um, he's thinking pass, sees the passing lane. It, it, it's not, you know, it's closed up. The defenseman gets a stick down. So rather than trying to saucer the pass, he decides to shoot. But that doesn't telegraph shot at all. And he, he catches Frederick Anderson head in between. And just a perfect shot right over the pad, under the yeah. arm. I mean that, that that is a goal scorer's play and, and a very smart hockey po- hockey play on, on top of it. So even if he gets uh, the pad, you got the player driving for the rebound. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, that that's your worst case scenario, right? Yeah. And uh, so I mean, the, he's excited for good reason. And you know, the we talk about top end talent and whatever, and we'll see we'll see what the draft has to bear. We'll see how players continue to develop at the at the pro game, but. You know, I mean, I to me again, it, it's better. It's better to have pieces you can build around, even if they're turn out to be supporting cast pieces that have nothing and truly start from nothing, because that's a very long process. Even if you draft a superstar that that, that meets every expectation, you might have yeah. one player's not going to do it. One line's not going to do it. Yeah. So. Connor Bedard's not going to fix the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. You know. He's obviously a great piece. I mean, look at the what Edmonton did and the amount of top overall picks they had before McDavid. Yeah. I mean, McDavid comes in what 2015? Prior to that, 
You've got Taylor Hall. You've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You got Nail Yakupov. You have Drysaitel, not the top overall pick, but a really good player. And still haven't been a team that's going on a very pronounced run. It's not about one player. You know, Bill, one of the guys that we haven't mentioned, and I feel like we've glossed over him quite a bit this year, and his play has been a little up and down, but that's Joel Farabee. He goes four straight games with a goal, and I don't think collectively on all four of those goals, the distance from the goal line combined is more than 12 feet because he, you, you hear me say it. If you haven't heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times. If you want to score goals, you go to where goals are scored. And Joel Farabee is going where goals are scored. And that is right to the blue paint. Oh, for sure. And and you do that. And uh, it's funny how the bucks start to find you, right? Yeah. Um, you become magnetic I mean, to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and there's, there's usually, you know, there's also usually a process to get there. When, when you go through what, what Farabee went through, you have a number of games before that where you have an increasing number of scoring chances and you just cannot seem to bury one, yeah. uh, whether, whether the goalie's robbing you or you hit the post or your stick breaks or, or something. It just seems like the, the hockey gods just decide, you know, this guy's never going to score another goal. And you get through it and a puck bounces in maybe off your shin pad or a deflower, in, or in this case, it was a rebound that just sat there for him, right on the doorstep. So yep, all I had to do was poke it in. Yeah, and, and then it's like it's like the weight of the world is off your shoulders. Um, he's continued to do the right thing, but I think when you're still going through one of those stretches, you know, I don't know, the puck hits off you, you know, hits off your shin pad, but it, but it goes wide, or you have that point blank chance instead of, instead of burying it, you hit a, you put that one off the post or whatever. I just yeah. you just just relax a little bit and just play. And I honestly, I I think that I think he got to that stage, and, and even even beyond that. You know, Farabee, although he still has to obviously add some strength back this this offseason, whatever. You know, he you notice him getting more puck touches. He, he's he's involved in in the battles for the puck. All, all the little things that we got used to seeing Joe Farabee do. You know, he, he's closing the right way. Um, you know, would have been would have been nice to see him get a goal in a fifth straight game. At least he has, at least he got a point out of it, so he's got a point yeah. streak going. But it, that, that's definitely that's definitely been a positive late in the season, put, can put that in the rearview mirror. Yeah, and, and he's killing penalties too, and I think he's just an effective penalty killer the way he moves on the ice and anticipates. And the other thing too is, you know, on the Lawton goal, I mean, he does everything just right on that. Again, that's a set play off a of face-off in the D zone. Lawton's going up the ice in, in a pretty pronounced 1v1 situation. But Farabee is on his horse, driving that far post, and I talked to Carter yesterday at the carnival and we were talking about that Lawton goal. And he goes, I didn't realize that he would, he never looked at the net Lawton. He's locked in on Farabee's driving. So he's drawing the D to take away Farabee to think pass. And he also goes so deep in, in doing that, that Nedeljkovic has to f- figure out if he's going to be able to get over there to make the save. So he defaults to his pads down low to take away the bottom third if he has to push. Yeah. As soon as he does that, Lawton still doesn't pick up his head and look at the net. He just finds high glove corner, perfect shot. Yeah. Unbelievable play. So fundamental, but unbelievable. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that that's when you – I mean, you don't put it on the goalie at all. You, you just tip your hat. But, yeah, Farabee did not get an assist on that play, but he got a, he got a uh, you know, a de facto assist by, yeah. by joining the rush and charging as hard as he did towards the yeah, net. It's a room that's assist. So. The boys in the room know that what you did there. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, that, that's why the Flyers are doing what they're doing late in the season. It, it's why they're it's why they're winning games. Um, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see after 
after the Montreal game tomorrow night. After that, you have nine games left, of which I think seven are on the road or six are on the road rather. So you know that that's a whole that's a whole different animal. We'll see yeah. we'll see when they go on the road whether the young guys are still carrying the ball for them or, or or how it goes. You know you're you're tested throughout the season, uh, and uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. It, it, it's uh, no matter how many wins or losses they get, I think they, I think they can at least see what the path looks like, and that's yeah, they've uh, proven that's the point, point. proof of yeah. concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is there? And let me let me ask you this, Bill, because I'm going to start here first with this. What I want to say here, and I'm just going to be really transparent and really honest here, brutally honest, maybe some would say, but I feel like. You know, we're around the team quite a bit, and um, I was down in the room all day at the carnival, right outside the dressing room, like in their sanctuary area, not the not where they get changed into their equipment, but where they get changed, the mm-hmm. change room. And I'm in the video coach's office there to tape the interviews for the carnival, and which we'll play a, a bunch of them this week that I didn't get on the air on the radio show. But I just get a sense being at the rink, at practice, around the guys, around the team, the, and everybody, and the fans as well, that there is a big exhale. And this is nothing against Chuck Fletcher, um, but th- it is a fresh start, and you can feel it. It feels different. There was a pall around this team. There was a black cloud of bad luck and bad mojo for whatever reason. I don't know. But the way I think the way Danny's attacked things, and I mean, up, he's talking to fans all over the place and doing all kinds of the right things to do, and they're diplomatic, and they won't make a difference in a trade that he makes. But um, I think he's prepared for the situation, and more changes to come. But I just feel like it is the dawn of a new day, and seeing guys come up like Tyson Forster, that I get really excited to watch that kid play hockey. I really do, yeah. because I see that goal he scored on Mark Andre Fleury. Like, that is an absolutely filthy shot on a future Hall of Famer that's still really good. That, matter of fact, was drafted when Tyson Forster was 17 months old, <laughs> right? But I just see all this, and it just feels fresh. It feels like things are going to move in the right direction. There's a ton of work to do. I'm not going to yep. get too excited to put anything before anything else, but I feel like there's a new air around the team, and it's not all doom and gloom. Oh, I, I, I think, I think I feel, you know, I, I could sense that too. Um, you know, I, I think that ultimately, you know, we've talked about how hard it is to carry momentum from year to year, but you're really hoping to carry some confidence because you're, you'll have, you know, you'll have new teammates, you'll have changeover, you know, and it still remains to be seen uh, again with total transparency. If the flyers have to take a step back to ultimately take a step forward, yeah. Um. Because they still have they still have cap issues. They have to work out. They have, you know, some long term planning with guys who may be coming up in free agency. Not maybe not this summer, but in the relatively near future. So there's a lot of big decisions that have yet to be made. There, there's a lot to figure out in terms of who the next team president will be. All all, all those crucial crucial positions, big decisions. But but I do think that uh, it was untenable. It, it just got untenable the way that it was um, for a variety of reasons, not, not all of which certainly were Chuck's fault, but it just, just, that was just a reality. It had gotten untenable and um, just to, just to turn the page and take a step forward just for the rest of this year, take a deep breath before these other decisions that are ahead. 
it, it's a promising first step. That That's the way I'll put it. Yeah. And that's all it is. It is a first step. You're right. It's a great way to put it. And, and the thing is too, is, you know, with, there's so much work to be done and you're right. Like you look at guys like Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov who aren't going to be unrestricted after next year's contract. They got a couple years, but you know, where do they fit in helping this team? And I can't help but look, I, I kind of went through this exercise in my head though, where I look at some of these general managers in the NHL, especially the young guys and former players. I look at guys like Chris Drury. I look at, you know, what Mike Greer is going to try and do out there in San Jose. I look at, uh, you know, a guy like Kent Hughes. I look at Kevin Ad. I, all these guys. I look at all these general managers, especially the ones that played. And I said, you know, what kind of team are they building? And they all seem to build a team that's got a lot of a lot of their own likeness in it. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay. So what does that mean for Danny Briere? And this is a guy that was a very skilled player. He was undersized, um, but he was a very skilled player. But he was a fierce competitor. As, as gentlemanly of a person he is, he was as far the other way as a competitor. And he would yield his stick to gain himself an inch of space down around the net. So I look at that and I go, okay, it's why I don't think they trade Travis Connecting because I think there's a likeness in, in the skill set and, and the way the player plays to the way Danny did. And if Danny's going to build the team in his likeness in a lot of ways, then I think that that's a good path to go because, A, it's recent. B, it was a guy who showed up at the playoffs at the right time with the gut and all of those elements. So I think that, and, and he's a guy that's going to favor a lot of skill. So yeah. I think that's a good path if, if that does hold true with Danny. For sure. And, 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 and I think there's another element to it as well, you know, and with the idea of building in a likeness, Danny didn't, didn't click overnight, right? Danny took a while, as a, quite a while as a young Got player. waved. <laughs> got waived that's right went to then went to buffalo largely as a reclamation project mm-hmm. and lo and behold that's when he clicked 23 24 years old so i think he remembers that and um yeah. I, I think that uh you know sometimes sometimes that we want it right away you draft and you want it right away and, and i think that um you know you you take a deep breath every every player is different you know i, I see some people sometimes comment oh if he's 23 or 20 even you know, 20, 24, even 23. Uh, well, if he's not already starring, he should be hitting his prime right now. And, and so just, just pump the brakes though. Every, every case is different. Yeah. Exactly. Good example. And then the guy was a third round pick at that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it's, uh, there are general rules of thumb, but there's also many exceptions. Go, go case by case and, and see, See how see how the player progresses. See how it comes along. So I think that I think that Danny's own experiences help shape a, a little bit of that belief in him too. Yeah, the patience. Yeah, I mean, Marshan had a 28 goal season in and 55 points in 2011-12 when he was 23 years of age. Then he had an 18, a 25, 24, and then all of a sudden at 27 years of age, 37, 39, 34, 36. 28 and 70 game. I mean, the numbers are eye popping. I think he's going to head to the hall of fame. Um, you know, you can't, you can't judge it on that. And, and that'll speak to some patience. I think that Danny will have with younger players as well, especially when you're not paying them a lot of money. It's a good time to have patience. Um, Bill, last thing um, I'm looking at the, you know, kind of the stat line for the flyers this season, you know, they got a points percentage right now through 72 games with 0.472. They're averaging 2.68 goals per game, 3.26 goals against per game, 
15.6 on the power play, 74.9 on the PK. And I I kind of juxtapose that with last year where they finished with basically a 10th lower in points percentage at 0.372. They averaged 2.56 goals per game last year. This year, like I said, they're averaging 2.68. So they're averaging more goals. They're giving up less goals. And actually, their power play is better this year than it was last year, 12.6% last year. Uh, to this year, it's improved. It's not good enough, not even close at 15.6%. But that improvement, what, where does that come from? Because, like, I talk about that game against Detroit, and the two goals that they score, excluding the empty netter, are both, to me, coaching fundamental goals. And mm. it's not just John Tortorella. It's Brad Shaw and it's Rocky Thompson. Because Kiefer Bellows, when he makes the pass to break out of their zone after Cam York does the right thing, takes the body, leaves the puck. Bellows gets it inside his own blue line, makes a stretch pass up the ice for the two-on-one to tip it. He goes in on the two-on-one. But Kiefer Bellows doesn't just stand there or jump over to the bench to change when he does that. He gets on his horse and drives as hard as he can and ends up picking up loose change in front of the net and getting an easy goal. That is one of those plays that the coach will see on film and he'll point it out. This is why you don't ever abandon a play. You never know when you can affect it. And the same thing like I talked about before with Farabee getting up into the zone. Those are just fundamental coaches' hockey plays. Is the improvement, how much of this improvement goes to the coaching staff in total? Well, I think that it has to be, right? And, uh, you know, they, there's so much preaching about staying connected as five-man units. Yeah. From, from the breakout, through the neutral zone, up the ice. It's funny how much faster you look as a team when you're connected, right? Um, and it, it's easy sometimes to get frustrated. Sometimes, you know, you have to – it's a message that, that bears a lot of repeating and, and correction over the course of a season. And when you see it being done right, um, you know, and, and reinforced in a positive way, because, because when coaches do video, yes, they show things that are correct, but they also show what they're doing right. Yeah. And – I, I would certainly think that over the, the recent stretch, there's been a lot of positive video to show that, yeah. that that's a really good example. The, the other one was the, the first goal, of the other game where uh, um, Sanheim starts it with, with a good first pass out in the D zone. And then he sees there's an opportunity to go and he goes at his own blue line. Ice. He made that decision. Yep. yep. And uh, ended up with the primary assist up the ice. Yeah, you know, we, we all look at the goal. We all look at the goal scorer and, and, and whatnot, but, but so many, so many little pieces like that from the mm-hmm. D zone, um, go attacking the net, providing, providing, providing another option, making, making the D wonder where you're going to go with it. Um, you know, in, in a lot of cases, or and, and just the sometimes too those little ten foot passes, and if and if some or just general puck support too, it's been a lot better. If somebody pokes it away from you, there's somebody behind you. Yeah. You know, guys staying on the right side of the puck. I mean, all, all those, all those little things. And it's not even about winning and losing. The Flyers have been winning lately, but if but if you're losing, you're mostly doing those things. You can live with it. So those that's uh, really where, really to me, the most heartening thing uh, about what they've done in this homestand has really been that, and the wind the winds have come with it, which which is nice. But uh, you know, obviously at this point that you're not you're not playing for points at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing interesting thing is to me too is where would this season what would this season feel like if you weren't getting 
you know, really good goaltending. And I mean, I think it would feel so much different. I mean, the, the average in the NHL is about three and a quarter, three and a half goals per game for each team. That's like league average. And Carter Hart's got 33 games in 51 games played that he's given up three goals or less. He's given up three goals 13 times this year, two goals nine times, one goal nine times, and he's got two shutouts. So I talk about the race to four in the NHL. If you're getting that goaltending, and this is why I think it's really important to have goaltending in a rebuild because it keeps you in games to play more meaningful minutes. It keeps you in more games that have more meaningful games. And it's a much easier way to measure where you are through effort and execution if you're getting some goaltending. No, no question. And then you have, you know, so much where you're you're fighting to compete, right? And and if you give up something soft, it just sucks the whole life out of the team. Yeah. It, it just does. And when you're when you're working on rebuilding, you know, you you want that as infrequently as possible. You want to have a chance to win, even if even if you're winning less than half of your games still. But but just building, you know, they, they mentioned process a lot. Building a process where you're giving yourself a chance to win. And over the long haul, you keep putting the right pieces in place. That that's when you see the turnaround. Yep. Well said. Uh rebuild stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and hockeybuzz.com. We will preview flyers montreal la habitante in tomorrow's episode as they'll wrap up the seven game homestand which has been a very successful one to this point so everybody thanks for listening enjoy your monday we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new flyers daily